All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Growing with My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, as always, Jack Greenstock, joined by an amazing panel. I'm going to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, everybody. Uh, what's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram uh, at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. I don't have a Facebook or any other social media, but you can shoot me an email. It's SpartanGrown at gmail.com. If you don't use Instagram and I'll try to help you there. I'm an organic farmer at home and a synthetic farmer at work commercially. So I can help with either one. Always happy to have you back. And next up, we've got Brandon Rust. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Brandon Rust here. If you guys are familiar, if you're just uh, listening for the first time, you can find me at rust.brandon where I uh, post a lot of educational content, cannabis pictures, and you can kind of just keep be generally updated on what I have going on. Um, yeah, glad to be here. It's, you know, kind of the regular scheduled program. So uh, I guess we'll I'll let the next person introduce themselves. Perfect. Well, the next up, we got Matthew Gates. Yeah, hey everyone. This is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist, and I just recently finished a. A podcast episode with Chad Westport at the Future Canvas Project Zero Two channel. We went over Western flower thrips treatment, a little bit about their evolutionary history and how they're really good at resisting um, various plant compounds, toxins, and even certain uh, pesticide components that people use. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out. You can also find me on my Xenthanol YouTube channel and also on Instagram and Twitter at SyncAngel, S-Y-N-C-H, a-N-G-E-L. Happy to have you back. I did catch a little bit of that on the FCPO2. I'll have to go back and watch the whole thing, but uh, great information as always. I do think thrips are one of those can even fight back against some of the uh, predator mites. So if they're bigger and stronger and faster in some occasions, they can uh, fight back and win, which is crazy. But next up, Dr. MJ. Hey guys. Yeah. Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I uh, want to tell everybody about the Grower Love giveaway if you haven't gotten in this this week yet. Spartan, Brandon, and Jack are all sort of bonus actions this week to, to follow their accounts and get into this giveaway we're doing next week for a, a chilled light. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a, a Q&A show today. That'll be fun. Always love giving back to the uh, chat as we uh, get great suggestions from them so often and great questions. So if you do have questions, feel free to tag any of the panel members or uh, myself at Jack Greenstock or Cheap Home Grow. But I want to give it next to Noah the Groa. Welcome. How's it going, everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Noah the Grow on Instagram with two E's. You can find me there. I'm a medical grower from the Pacific Northwest and happy to be here as always. Happy to have you back. Next up, we got the American one. Hello, Jack panel and everyone in chat. I am the American one uh, on the YouTubes and the American one underscore with underscore teams on the IGs. Um, it's always good to be here and it's always good to be talking cannabis. I'm happy that we'll be addressing the chat today and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So excellent. Oh. You're all good, Tao. Uh, maybe before, I haven't seen any questions popping up just yet. Just a lot of people saying hello, cheers, greetings, everybody. Uh, Real Red Hairs, Crispy Wannabe, Smart Poker, the regulars, the usual. Make sure you click on over to the live chat so you can see all the messages if you uh, prefer that. Sometimes people maybe don't want to see the profanity or whatever that gets filtered out, but 
uh, yeah, there's the live chat and top chat button. So if you make sure to click on over to that live chat, you can see everything there. And uh, feel free to tag us. I see just a crispy wannabe tagging me to say cheers, but uh, we got lots of love rolling in the chat already. But um, I think a topic we could maybe start off with was a few weeks back, we talked a little bit about indoor versus outdoor. And uh, I believe it was Matthew who shared in the Cheap Home Grow group chat a post about indoor versus outdoor. And I think they were cultivated quite differently. It was the same cut, but like one was outdoor in living soil and one was indoor in a, I think all I, I read was like synthetic. I don't think they gave a ton of information, but they showed a few different uh, posts, I think highlighting a different, maybe cannabinoids or terpene profiles. Uh, I didn't have a ton of time to look through it, but I did find it a little bit interesting. And uh, I saw the chat was kind of talking about it. So maybe that'd be a good place for us to jump off. And we also, everybody has the ability to share screen. So Matthew, if you do want to share screen or if anybody does, uh, you can go ahead and do that anytime. Yeah, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the details because you did get most of that. And a lot of the, a lot of the information isn't known right now. Apparently there was a, there's some sort of a white paper. I'm not sure it's an academic one. It sounds like it's, um, it's not the case. Uh, but more of those details will probably come out soon. So this is more speculative just based on what some of the um, profile posts we're talking about on Instagram. And uh, I'll actually, I'll have to send some of the, uh, the pictures to my computer and then I can share screen. But um, basically, I just want to say that it seemed like some people were deriving, like one is want to do uh, sort of a conclusion about indoor versus outdoor. But me and other people sort of found that kind of um, maybe a little bit spurious because obviously indoor and outdoor only just tells you like the relative location of the plants. It tells you very little about, you know, anything else like the substrate they're growing in, nutrient profile. But what they were actually looking at wasn't any of that stuff. They were looking at uh, apparently oxidation primarily oxidation of things like terpenes and cannabinoids that apparently happens a lot more in indoor if they believe. And when I was having a conversation with some of the people conducting this research, I guess if the oxygen and light levels are able to build up more, then, um, then that is the problem. And they saw that more in the indoor than the outdoor. Uh, how and why and all of those variables, I don't have answers for. Um, but I just thought that was kind of interesting because they weren't actually trying to say that one was better or worse in any particular way, except in the way that um, some of these volatiles and cannabinoids we care about are being degraded over time. And uh, yeah, that's the context. Let me try to find the pictures. Yeah, I kind of thought what, what I saw in the chat seemed to be along those lines of it was maybe spurious data dressed up as more than it, it it was or trying to draw conclusions that weren't necessarily valid from the data set that they had. Personally, and I'm not trying to disagree with the results, but I'm, I'm surprised to find that there was uh, more oxygen and light level oxygen, or I guess light-based and oxygen-based ox uh, oxidation of things like terpenes in particular and cannabinoids. Um, presumably you would be able to sort of, um, reduce that, uh, in indoor if you have good airflow, but, yeah. um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that must be the case in the outdoor that because the, the oxygen, the air 
some of which is oxygen, is moving around quite a bit. But wouldn't that still oxidize? I'm not sure how that happened, to be honest. It's definitely yeah, a- I'm not sure how that happens at that level either. Um, it would make more sense that the, the changes that you were dealing with were coming from different lighting regimes than different oxygen levels, I think, of those two variables. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it would at that point also depend on how what kind of a, a grow setup it was. If this is a sealed space that they're just pumping carbon dioxide in to, to replenish the carbon dioxide, um, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what that does do to sort of the, the oxygen levels in that room. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is like uh, I brought up that if you're using different substrates and nutrient inputs, which seemingly they were, one was living soil, one was... Right something else like would that not have an effect on like the precursors to of the metabolites well absolutely that's why you don't do statistical analysis on this kind of data because there's several variables that change and when you then pull out one of them like whether it was indoor or outdoor and you're saying that that was the independent variable that that drove the the changes to the dependent variables that's like bad science. I mean, maybe there's something else to this, but if there were multiple variables that changed, you can't do independent variable analysis like like what that chart is trying to do. So you can't make conclusive conclusions, which is the yeah, because ultimate something thing else could have done science. it, right? Right, right. No, I think that it doesn't allow you to answer the question that you're looking at answering because the two variables that we already know about uh, are being different. Not only is it indoor versus outdoor, it's like an organic quote versus a synthetic. So right. to, to a lot of people, that's enough of a difference. Uh, even if it's the same clone, there's not going to be enough consistency in that study. So I wish they would have done the same medium. I don't care if it was synthetic outdoor and synthetic indoor or organic indoor, organic outdoor. They should have just kept the medium consistent, the same pot size, the same everything, you know. You got to uh, do everything really consistent. You got to get a large sample size and you got to do everything really consistent in order to do statistics like that and, and plot out the data points like that. Uh, other, otherwise, yeah, you pick up a lot in, of noise um, or you're picking up something else, like a difference in the, the nutrition, right? And, and making a false inference and saying that it's because of the, because of the indoor, outdoor or whatever. Um, so you always try to control all the rest of the variables and, and change just that one. It's not to say that you can't make sort of anecdotal observations of things in other ways you just shouldn't do independent sort of variable analysis like what they're trying to do there and then make those types of conclusions too sorry one way oh no problem one one of the ways that was described also um and i'll get the pictures up pretty quickly here was that it was looking at um i think the quote here is this study all right this study asked the question if you grew two clones one in an indoor facility for for sale and one for one outdoor for sale what are the differences and it's like i i felt like that qualifier for sale was maybe a little bit i was kind of not sure what they meant by that again like is 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 the is the presumption that they're going with which is fine to have one if you're testing this i guess but because i think it's a case study right they just took two people's grows from two different locations because they already were doing things a certain way. So in that way, if you have that context, I think that's that's totally valid to say it this way. But the way that it's being uh, promulgated I, I, you know, is not that way. 
I don't know. It's putting the sort of scientific imprimatur on something where it doesn't belong. People see sort of plots and graphs and charts like that, and they think that there's sort of more solid data behind it than there is. Again, it's presenting itself I'm, as hard science when it's like kind of soft science in a way. Yeah. Also, like you should really say more explicitly, I think, what you mean when you say like for sale, like and then like not have the substrate, like is the living soil stuff not for sale? If it's for sale and it's living soil, but that's gonna be very different from for, for sale. And like another case, I know people who grow indoors with living soil. I know people who grow indoors with cocoa, yeah. right? So right. I, have, I have no idea what that modifier and of all the things that would be interesting to modify, whether or not it's for sale doesn't seem to be particularly relevant. So I think uh, we can all agree that there is um, issues, and unless anybody else wants to throw in on that, well, Matthew's going to show some photos here maybe in a second, but we do have a few questions that we've backed up now from the uh, chat. Yeah. And I did say we want to dedicate this to the chat. So after we look at these uh, photos for just a second, we'll get over to those questions just to let the people in the chat know. Keep asking the questions. We're copying and pasting them into our Zoom, and we will be getting to them very soon. Okay, dokie. Can you see it? Yes. Okay, so basically these are just... Yeah, this is wrap it up kind of quicker. This was the, the post. This is by Tinker.science. And they say in the description that here's a mass spectrometry data, or here's mass spectrometry data, sorry, comparing the cannabinoids in indoor versus outdoor cannabis. The indoor was grown in a state-of-the-art commercial grow room with artificial lights and growth media. The outdoor one was grown in living soil and under the sun in Humboldt. They are the same cut, same genetics, and same season. Each column in the data is from a different sample. I'm going to say it that way. And each row of rectangles is testing for a particular cannabinoid. If it is red, there is more in that sample. If it is blue, there is less. So it's a heat map. The outdoor samples are rich in useful cannabinoids like THCA, C4, and C6. And they have significant medicinal value. The good stuff they've put in parentheses. The indoor samples are rich in oxidized integrated cannabinoids, the bad stuff they characterize. Many of those aren't psychoactive or have poor indications. Know what you are putting in your body, choose organic. Oh yeah, none of this is on the California COA. So that's how it was described. And you can see here the sort of heat map, but there's no, you can't really see any of the details. Of course, like I said, they have stuff coming out. So maybe they wanna keep it mysterious, but. Uh, this is, I mean, this is. I'm sorry. I'm just really sorry. Not to good say, science. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to call this like it is and just say, you know, I'm a big champion of organic growing, but this just sounds like organic fanboy with no actual yeah. data. Like, yeah. give me actual data. You haven't shown me anything. Well, and, and tell me why oxidized cannabinoids are bad again. I love CBN. There's a lot I of love, opinions. Yeah. I love a lot, a lot of, of those cannabinoids. That that they're like, oh, don't put these lesser cannabinoids in yourself. Like, I well, don't know. And then, yeah, and just the way that they, I, I went and I read the comments and they, the, the back and forth. And it's like, it's very, you can tell it's very one-sided. They're not trying to be very impartial in the least. So I'm already, you know, I'm already suspicious from the get because of that. It's confirmation bias. They're, they're clearly starting with a position on which is better and then trying to show data to support their position on it. It's basically the opposite of science. They're looking for an echo chamber, unfortunately. And there's a lot of people that do that. And uh, 
I think it's better to have people question your beliefs and then talk about it back and forth. Like, you know, being open to criticism, like some of the comments that we've made tonight on the show, but I definitely, that being said, I mean, that, that being said, I don't want to get it across as like, I'm not interested in the data. I'm still very interested in what they have to share and I'll look at it as they, if they share more, but right now that's just how I feel. Yo, you guys didn't get the memo from the CDC and the who? You make it up, and then you tell everyone it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I didn't get that memo, man. Fake it till you make it, it, man. Like Theranos. Yeah. Oh yeah, Theranos. Jeez, that's been, a that's a. I've been watching the dropout, but anyway, we'll get we'll get back to a more interesting topic, which is cannabis and the growing of it. We have a great question from Ro Canante. I'm probably mispronouncing. Rosinante. That's Rosinante. Rosinante says, Doctor MJ, any tips for growing seedlings in solo cups successfully? I switched over from the little grow bags you suggested, but they aren't as happy now. So I, I saw that go by. Th- that means that he used to be in the grow bags and now he's in the solo cups and they're not as happy in the solo cups as they were in the seedling bags. Am I, so am I getting they to They fixed what the right wasn't way? broken and now they're unhappy, essentially. They, they switched, they're unhappy with the switch. Yeah, and, uh, I just want to make sure I'm not getting twisted and like, Perhaps they don't want to buy something each run and you can reuse a solo cup. I don't know. Plain yeah, no, I get it. Uh, maybe you just ran out of seedling bags and you got a stack of solo cups. Um, uh, if you're struggling with the seedling cup, the difference there is going to be the aeration that they're exposed to. Um, you know, I do pretty high frequency. And if this grower is following me, I think Rosinante might be. Um, you're going to want good drainage. So I would open up pretty much like almost the entire bottom of the the cup and then cut some vertical slats um, into it as well up along the sides to sort of give more access to air and let it drain better. Um, Yeah, you know, I do prefer the bags, but I think that if you take that, if you properly prepare and and take a a page from Crispy Wannabe, one of our our good followers here at the show, um, she made one of the most gorgeous party cup sort of modifications into a growing container before with all sorts of little aeration holes and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, she also like put glitter on it and painted it and stuff. I, you don't need to do all of that, but you know, the, the aeration side, I think would really help. I've seen people do like the double solo cup where like the outer cup, uh, basically, uh, holds it. So if you have any water overflow then that you have like an inner cup, that is clear so you can like see the roots or whatever the outer cup blocks the light and the inner cup they took like a drill bit or like a screwdriver or whatever and just made holes all the way around it as a simple solution and uh, skillable one said if you want to do that easily stack all the solo cups get your drill and then do all of them at the same time or whatever and exactly. uh, you'll save yourself a bunch of time as opposed to individually drilling each cup with like 40 different holes you, you know do 10 cups at a time and do a bunch of holes and you don't have to repeat the process hundreds of times so uh, save yourself a little bit of effort there and still have the same effect at the end but There's I do the agree. Tip, I like the stacking the, the the cups before you drill through, and it'll make it easy easier to drill through them too. It's kind of hard to drill through one at a time. Yep, yep. So it's a definitely a shout out to Skillbo One and the Michigan Bros Grow Show. They'll be on after this, but we still got a few hours until then. Uh, anybody have other suggestions for tips in the solo cup to keep the plant happy? I guess one of my tips would be to only keep it in the solo cup for so long. I think once the leaves extend out past the edges of that solo cup, and it gets kind of bigger and taller and uh it just might be ready to be transplanted is a lot of the reason that plants aren't happy in solar cups is maybe they're too big but uh it could have been a high frequency fertigation thing uh, not having enough aeration with a lot of water trying to go through there could uh get it kind of bogged up 
and they don't like it when they're kind of not having any access to air is a very yeah. bad thing for plants. Yeah, I do it by the one way to do it is by how many nodes. Usually by the time they get to the third node, they should be ready to get out of the, the cup. Um, you want to leave them long enough in there so that they establish root mass in that area. And when you slide them out of the cup, they should be able to hold the, the cup-shaped slug of, of media with the roots primarily. Um, but if you go too long, you can definitely stunt the plant by, by getting a root bound. It's a great point. I always love it when uh, they have a good root mass and it's easy to transplant out and you're not worried because it's holding together. Yeah. But not so much that it's wrapped and uh, kind of getting into that form of the cup that'll kind of you see at the end of the harvest when you pull it out. Um, so some people would suggest in those moments to maybe rough up the roots a tiny bit during the transplant to help them grow out in all different directions. And yeah, a, real, a real good tip that I'd like, actually, I haven't said it to a lot of people. I should, I'll say it now that I always like to do when I was growing in pots was at the end of the harvest when I dumped it out, I would kind of inspect that root ball and kind of break it down and look and you can tell whether you did a good job transplanting or not because if you open it up and you don't see a whole lot of root growth in the whole middle of the pot but in the very center where the you you see like a a solo cup sized giant gnarled up root ball and then just sparse roots coming out of it and then the whole outside edge covered in roots that means you transplanted too late the, they got kind of root bound just like um, Doc was saying here was you know it's stunted it's because those roots can't get the fuck out they've they've been root bound you went a little bit too hard and so the solution would be what Jack was saying is when you do especially in the nursery game you'll see a lot it's like almost the SOP like almost every like everything almost is like you grow it till it's root bound and then when you transplant you just go like a razor blade down the side make four lines and and then off you go so if you do get root bound, don't think that it's, oh, I'm, I got to cut it down. It's the end of the world. That's the solution. You can just kind of, some people just rough it up with their hand like this and, and work the roots out. But we, in production, when they're going fast, it's usually just a razor blade, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, it's common in horticulture. It's just called scoring the roots. And it's usually a step that you do when you're transplanting pots, like in a nursery, um, potting up potted plants, you, you always score the roots. So it, it does cut through the roots and that just encourages new root growth in those locations. It's a good tips. Any other thoughts on the solo cup before we get into GBA genetics question? I'll take that as a no and go on. So GBA genetics asks heading into the fourth week of flower using organic dry amendments, any P or K additives to help flowers stay fed. I would definitely say that uh, potassium sulfate would be a, a really good option for potassium at that stage. And then something like uh, bone meal, but you want to use the bone meal sparingly and you want to source it from a credible source. Even Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Even credible sources have a product with high contaminant high uh, levels of he heavy metals so um uh, the potassium sulfate usually you're pretty good on um and then uh for the phosphorus i use uh something like calphos which is soft rock mineral phosphate and but the thing is it's it's very 
it's not very available. Um, and so you need to use, you have to use a a phosphorus solubilizing bacteria. So the soft rock phosphate with something like microbe plus or another product that has the phosphorus solubilizing bacteria will help. What are you saying, Tao? I was just going to say a lot of the dry amendments that you top dress with aren't uh, water soluble, but I know some of them are, but like that fishbone meal might not make it at all, right? Um, uh, even with added or, or minimal amount will make it to them. Oh, yeah, you can use fishbone meal, but I don't like to use ocean products just because of the sodium and chloride levels. And usually things that do come from the ocean are have higher levels of heavy metals simply because that's where a lot of heavy metals are sequestered once they become volatile in the atmosphere. Right. But if you, if you're top dressing though, and like week four flour with fishbone meal, how much of it is going to actually get broken down and into the plant? You know what I mean? That's my, yeah. my point. No, no, no. It, 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 it's, it's so look at the, the temperatures that we're usually operating in. You let's say, you know, the, 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 uh, mid to high 70s or low 80s and then usually with pretty good humidity those things are going to get cycled pretty quick like for most of the meals the things that do have to be broken down to release the mineral nutrition that's locked up in it um for the most part it's like three weeks for almost 100 percent release on most stuff i mean some stuff is a little longer like four weeks but there's I haven't seen anything really that takes longer than four weeks to be a hundred percent. Yeah, a lot of them say like we amend every two months, but you're saying it's a lot less than that, eh? Oh yeah, it'll get broke. It'll it'll like meals will get digested by the soil as long as you have enough moisture, you have the right temperature and humidity. I mean, if it's really cold, for instance, right? You have a really cold room and it's kind of dry, you know, it's gonna it's going to be, it's going to, you know, be a little bit longer, but in the standard conditions that these plants are grown in, you know, in the target ranges, these things are going to cycle pretty quick. But if you're using something like the mineral sulfates, those are what usually water soluble, soluble because you can buy like micronized um, forms of it. And that helps increase the solubility. And some of them are just already soluble because they're a mineral sulfate. They disassociate the two uh, the two minerals when when they come in contact with water. In my opinion, on the question, because he's in week four and he's looking for an organic dry amendment specifically, I kind of just figure, okay, skip the pee now. At this point, you're kind of past. You kind of missed the boat because because of what you're talking about, how long it's going to take to to be available to the plant. You, I would just be worrying about K and, and and like you said, I mean, you know, if you can get that in a sulfate form, that's probably the best because sulfur is going to help you. It's going to help you with terp, especially in this stage of flower year in week four. And yeah. I know G Bay is an outdoor grower too. So this stuff isn't going to like sit at the bottom. It, it, you know, any excess is just going to sit at the bottom. If it gets past the roots, it's gone forever, basically. So I wouldn't worry about the P at this point, man. Just, just, just he put can, a touch. You can use some, day. you know, some microbes that can help solubilize the phosphorus mineral that's already in there. But if, but this is kind of like the ideal situation in soil, though. In an ideal situation, 
you want really high temperatures. You want high temperatures, really high humidity. And in you want to, and in the soil like, itself. Um, no, I'm talking about room. Oh, just us. Okay. So nice and okay. nice and warm, you know, in veg and you have something like 70, 75% RH that's going to really help drive calcium. And, and you want to kind of, I've said this before, if you can front load calcium, right. And, and push your nitrogen pretty high in veg. What you can do is when you go to the transition stage, what I've, what I've seen works really good is pushing manganese up a little bit right at that point, right at transition. And then also um, introducing a phosphorus, a phosphorus source right at that point yeah. and then increasing K right at that point too. And what that will do is it will drop the availability of calcium. So calcium will go down a little bit. And although you need calcium, you front loaded it already, right? So the plant has an abundance overall of calcium in it. And then the uh, potassium, because that, if when you increase that, it trades off of, with the availability of calcium magne magnesium. So you keep your, your potassium and your magnesium levels uh, balanced, but you push them up a little bit. That way calcium is driven down. And then the introduction of the phosphorus will also um, kind of mitigate that, those calcium levels right out, right when you're doing transition, because phosphorus reacts with calcium ions as well. Phosphate reacts with calcium ions. Brandon. Yes. I got a question. So I, I've been reading, you know, stuff that's, that claims that the phosphorus is front loaded when they did sample tests of the plant over the entire season of an outdoor grow, and uh, it, the plants actually stops uptaking a lot of phosphorus in the flower. I was wondering if you noticed that or could contradict that, because I've heard both, that P and K should be added a flower, but now well, like the new, quote, new science is mostly K is needed during the flower. It, but yeah, I was wondering yeah. what you saw in real life because you know i noticed that i've tried that yeah so if you guys remember all of those bud hardeners that you would get and they were like super high in phosphorus super high in potassium yeah and you yeah. don't need you don't need high phosphorus you want to give it a little push right at that transition period because what's happening is it's going through a bunch of metabolic changes right and you want it and it's going to start using up a lot of nutrition right at that i mean that's like the the time in the plant where you get the most amount of growth is right during that those first couple of weeks and so being able to supply them with the energy they need because to get the other minerals and stuff that the plant needs it they might have to expend energy and that energy is gonna the the systems that are driven by are are driven by uh atp and so you need the phosphorus right yeah. um you so when that transition is happening and these nutritional changes are occurring in the soil, right? Cause you'll have adequate level of calcium. That's, that's perfect. And all you're trying to do is cause like slight antagonism with those things. So the calcium drops, so phosphorus becomes more available. And then that potassium is also more available. And in my opinion, and from what I've seen from all the data, getting the phosphorus early and consistent through the whole cycle from early veg on is really important, but making, but 
absolutely making sure that transition, when you flip, you have available phosphorus to the plant because that's going to be one of the times that it's going to use it the most. It stops, it stops really um, pumping, you know, and, and uh, it, it'll thicken up the flowers, but that's a process, you know, that's dri not just driven by phos phosphate, you know, that's driven by um, potassium you know, the, 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 the stacking of the flowers, nitrogen, you know, you can't cut your nitrogen down either. Like you need a consistent right. supply of nitrogen almost all the way, almost all the way up until the end. If your plant is healthy and it has all the nutrition that it needs, it'll keep using the nitrogen that it has. And then at the very end, you need less because it'll stop utilizing it. Just like as it gets further in, like, like I remember I was using bud hardeners at the, like, you know, these high phosphate, high potassium, um, things at the end of my cycles, you know, years and years ago. And it's not necessary to do that. It's really just about, you know, managing the levels during your transition phase and then understanding which elements are going to have an effect on each other. I think we yeah. definitely addressed that question well. Does anybody else have any thoughts on the uh, question from GBay Genetics? I'll take that as a no, and I'll just add that I, I agree with uh, Brandon's comments and the whole four-week thing. If you're adding it in week four flower, if your strain's going to go nine, maybe ten weeks, then most of it's going to be gone by the time you're finished anyway. And I definitely have seen what Brandon's been talking about with the nitrogen, uh, keeping using it through all the way basically up until the end. And uh, that's why I like the aminos for uh, getting nitrogen to the plant at that stage of flower, as well as just like microbes to maybe scrounge up any nitrogen that might be available in the soil. So just some thoughts on that. And then uh, we have another question from Rosinante, probably mispronouncing it again. <laughs> I think I might've got it that time, um, but probably not. Let's see, does the panel have any suggestions for outdoor strains for the humid Midwest area? I do. I don't know if anybody else does. Martin, <laughs> you're there, man. Yeah, you can so let's hear it. Shout out 2020 Mendocino. They have a cultivar called Glue Sniffer that I've hearing, I've suggested to several people now, some that have done very, very large runs. And I'm hearing nothing but good things. That's here in Michigan. So that's just, that's pretty Midwest. Um, also, from oh, I always get the two confused is it, it's blueberry muffin is the strain. Is it Humboldt Seed Company? Seed Company, HSC, okay. Humboldt Seed Company, Nat Pennington. Okay, I've, I've heard really good things about that around these parts as well, outdoor. I'm so growing I've from that right now. Yeah, I see. I've been watching you, Brandon. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because I've got uh, Baked Pone. Shout out to him from the Michigan Bros Grow Show. He's going to, those two strains that I've just suggested, he's grown outdoors this year. So I've been uh, sending your photos to him. I'm like, check this out, man. This could be you, but you can do it outside. So those are the two that jumped to mind for me right away. I've also heard that um, Mac one grown outdoor is real resistant to a lot of like disease and mold and things, but I've also heard that it, the yield is kind of abysmal outside Out, outside. So as compared to outside yield, what you'd expect. So like I was told a pound on a plant that they were hoping to get two or three off of. So I think that's what it was. There's something similar to the, those numbers. 
So um, it might not be a great thing for somebody looking to get a big harvest, but if you want a head stash, that might be a good one outdoor too. It, but that's a more advanced. It's a lot of work outdoors. It's a lot, a lot of work. I'm also going to throw out the auto flower suggestion that I probably have people in the chat might be suggesting, but other people have suggested in the past, just start autos during the springtime or even the summer and they'll be done before the harsh weather, depending on where you're at, just figure out your timeline and you can even start a range. Like if you can only have six plants or if you only want to have X amount of plants, you could do like two this week, two in a month or whatever, and see what range they do best in your area, because uh, that'll help them be finished before a lot of the harsh weather that will make the strain ungrowable for you. Um, but I think intercropping, like a lot of people do, where you can plant autos in between your full season to give yourself the best yield per square foot, as well as chance of a successful harvest, just generally, like you get that first crop from the auto. So you get yourself like a little bit of an early bumper crop, and then you've got the full season crop to look forward to as well. You can even try light depping, um, which is not that difficult, believe it or not. I mean, a hoop house, like we're talking PVC pipe, like some rebar, uh, whatever stakes you need, just like bang a few stakes into the ground and then you get some tarp and pull it, you know, once a day, a it becomes, it is a lot of commitment. You can get a golden arm though. They're not too expensive. And if you think about the whole value of a greenhouse crop, uh, I would say it's worth investing in an automated system <laughs> to pull that tarp for you every day. Um, at a specific time so you don't have to do the work and but i, I do think it's good to be twice at your crop every day yeah twice what a day they, right do they have some kind of ventilation for that or how do they how do they get around that the ventilation is is usually fans but um people will open it up in the middle of the nighttime if they're worried like if it's too humid in their area like right. typically for the people who don't know um they'll pull the tarp at like let's say 7 p.m and then open it at like 7 a.m so you've got the 12 hours of light um, during the day. But at nighttime, if it's a good tarp and it's sealed completely all the way around, then you're going to have a bunch of humidity building up. So people will like pop the top if they don't have a good ventilation and allow some of that humidity to gas off. But then you're talking even more work on top of all of that stuff. But uh, for the love of the plant, you know, people will do crazy and amazing things. Some of these people like literally live with their crop. Like my buddy Vegan Doja, he lived out on the mountain up in NorCal. He just has little you know basically like tiny home and then his greenhouse and he's like right out there so he just pops the door open goes out to the garden and that was like his life out there so uh it just depends on people's level of commitment to the garden and uh, i don't think most people are at that level of commitment i'll definitely say that for sure um but yeah anybody else have uh, suggestions on humid resistant midwest area strains i, th I see tau unmuted over there yeah, I was just going to say that I've heard people, I guess once the light changes at a certain time during the year, they'll just step it uh, at the beginning, like we are saying at six o'clock or seven o'clock. And then once it's dark at night, they just take it off. And then when the sun comes up, yeah. that's the light again. Exactly. But if you do that at the wrong time of year, you'll end up, you know, like as the sun's length, if the days are lengthening, it might, like I never did it personally, but this is, you know, what I've been told. But just logically, if the if the days are getting longer and you take the tarp off at night at the same time every day, it'll still be a longer, um, a shorter dark, uh, a longer light period. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They're gonna do it in the fall though, when the days are getting shorter, yeah. to sort of clip that end of the the season. But I totally agree with the point that you just made in terms of a lot of growers that do dep will just dep the the night will just de or the the morning it sort of depends on when you get the best sun 
Um, you know, if you get early morning sun to afternoon sun, then you dip that evening. And as soon as it's dark, as soon as like after the actual sunset, you can remove the, the tarp. Um, you don't have to do it on, on both the dawn and the dusk side. You just choose one or the other. I was thinking more for the people like out here, there are people that go full year round, uh, just like right. all year. And so they, yeah. they, they do have to set it um, because our weather is conducive enough that they can actually get away with having, I don't know, like, like indoor, like five, six crops a year if they line up their depths right. And, I wish uh, I could do that here. I wish I could do it like that. Like, so what about what about autoflowers, man? Outside, why don't you just fucking throw autoflowers and just yeah. cut them? People really have not been sold them when they're ready. still not yeah, sold on the quality. It would just save you so much trouble, man. I mean, um, all you have to do is just fucking plant a seed. Just plant a seed when you harvest. That's all you got to do. Like, well, everyone's not you either. Like, these, a lot of auto grow, um, fresh first time auto flower growers, I've heard. They'll get, you know, a half pound from one plant and a quarter ounce off another plant. And well, certain, yeah, you got to do your research on that, that quarter ounce. Yeah, they can't risk counting on a half pound and ending up with a quarter ounce. But that's the th like, that's what I think the, the future of autoflowers is going to be reputation, reputation, reputation. And if you have autoflowers that produce every time, you're, you'll, I think that's the future is what's going to happen you know i don't think that it's possible to say every this... time because some people will fuck it up like if you stunt an auto it's yes. going to be a stunted auto right. i don't care if it's yes. from the best breeder in the whole world I yeah, saw but if you're going outside it's, blaming it's way harder the... to do that because you just throw blaming... it around they're blaming so the plant for their own mistakes i mean okay. autos yeah, will be yeah. small if you screw right. them up during the veg you're on a clock and you got so yeah. much time but if you get through that and you do a good job with it that i mean that's what happens okay well people also don't make like so they might have like gotten seven out of ten parts of the equation correct with an auto they right. maybe have got like maybe it needs a five gallon pot or a seven gallon pot or whatever the pot size is that people recommend nowadays for an auto so they get that right but then maybe their medium is like too heavy it's not aerated well i saw a grow in michigan where i want to say there was thousands of these blue 55 gallon drum uh plastic barrels and they were flipped upside down and they had fabric pots sitting on top of them and then a wooden post stuck in the ground next to them. And um, all of these <laughs> plants were autos and most of them you could see like for rows were smaller than my fists, just like one nug, single cola, less than 10 inches tall. And oh they all just planted directly into the soil and they just didn't take off. And like, in my opinion, they probably would have even been better off like doing like a small greenhouse area in a warm area. Maybe it was too cold or whatever it was get them vigorously started in like a solo cup and then transplant into whatever their final pot was and have them vigorously grown because they were flowered at a size smaller than I've seen every single auto grower who's successfully done it veg their plant through. But my point here is, is like, you got to be a gardener still. Yeah. It only takes fucking three weeks, maybe four weeks before you see them start to flower. And you're like, okay, this one's flipping early as fuck. It's not big. I'm going to plant three more in the same fucking pot. You know, you don't just sit there and watch them struggle and just and fucking go with it. It's, it's chads. Golf balls. It's a bunch of chads, dude. It's people that got investments who've never grown cannabis in their life before. I saw it on the Clout King yeah. Canna Grow. It was like a meme page, but it was a Michigan grow. Like, I hate to say that there are people getting into the game now because it's legal and they have money and they want to make their money grow. And they see this as like a diversified investment. So they try and get into something without really knowing the full magnitude of it. And maybe there's some nepotism going on. They hire a family member or a friend. And they don't have any grow experience at all, but they 
think that they do or they claim that they do or whatever it is. And so unfortunately we, we do see these uh, types of things happening, but I, I agree that auto flowers have the potential to be amazing. And there's a lot of great breeders out there. Shout out to the Mandalorian or what's his new name? Gnome Automatics and uh, many other great ones. Um, Humboldt Seed Company makes auto flowers as well. And they're killing it. 2020. Yeah. They're getting to it. Kyle. 26% auto they had. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't want to poo-poo on the auto flower people because to, like, like the one Spawn did that one year was like monster. I mean, there's monster auto flowers. So yeah. Yeah. It's about knowing what, what to do with it for sure. And so once yeah, you get people that uh, can represent like, curve. unfortunately, I think there's been a lot of sort of bad ideas passed around about auto flowers, about like starting them in, in large containers and stuff like that, that I, I think sets a lot of growers back and, and makes them end up with smaller plants. Um, I think you should basically treat autos like any other plant and just do a good job growing it. That's important to do, do the good job. I think it was, uh, Jeff Lowenfels who talked about, uh, somebody who actually had a great success with their autoflower crop. They planted like an acre of photo period an acre of, uh, autoflower or whatever. And per square foot, I think they, or per acre, they yielded like several thousand pounds more per acre with, with the autoflowers and uh, we're super happy and successful with it. So there are people out there killing it with them. And I told a story earlier in the year that I had some three bears OG concentrate out here in the California market and it was not labeled autoflower, but I look, I Google that strand and see, is there any like photo period version of this? Cause in my head, that's a Mephisto's genetics autoflower. Sure enough, there isn't another three bears OG as far as uh, I'm aware of. So I couldn't find any, Thing that wasn't the autoflower version so there are people in the commercial market growing it currently in california so yeah, it's, it's a viable option in my perspective because like i'm seeing it on shelves <laughs> people are buying it including my, my wife picked it out i didn't even tell her to buy it i was like oh my gosh you know this is kind of a interesting yeah. coincidence i've been saying this i think since we started this show but i i think the way that commercial cannabis has been grown for a long time has been dictated by the fact that seeds were hard to come by and unreliable um and the only way to get sort of reliable plants was through cloning and the only way to sort of have reliable genetics was to keep mother plants and to be able to keep pulling clones like that but um and so a lot of commercial operations are just set up for cloning and and it, it's harder to then just make the transition and grow plants from seeds which autos have to be grown from seeds so that's one of the big sort of challenges but i think autos are going to be one of the things that helps push because the advantages that clones hold are diminishing it at best um compared to growing seeds and to being able to then also grow autos and there was i mean it wasn't as prevalent for sure and, and i'm not disagreeing with anything you said but there what there is at least was and i think there's still kind of it's very more rare now but there always was a big tradition, at least that I remember, of outdoor farmers that every year they didn't fuck with clones ever. They would took their crop and then they had a little fucking breeding project on the side garden. And that was their seeds for the next year. And they just kept using the same stock again, making F fucking whatever's 12s by the time they're done with it. And uh, they were their own breeders because they they would never dare fucking trust anybody to go buy seeds from some, you know what I mean? And so yeah. that's how they that's how they just, per, you know, that's how they went forever. So 
when I see yeah, like I agree. today's market, how, how I just see how how people's are sudden resistance to oh I got to use seeds every time to grow. I don't want to do that. You know that's a common one I hear for auto flowers. I'm like, well, think about me? the commercial setup. If you got a <laughs> if you got a commercial setup with a you know a mother room, a clone space, a cloning area. Um, and then a veg space that you're moving sort of those through, you may not be set up to like grow seedlings someplace. Um, you just may not, that might not fit into your workflow because a lot of the indoor facilities are, are streamlined for a, a clone operation, um, which still makes sense. But again, I, I think the advantage that the clones serve in those facilities is diminishing as breeding gets better and you know opening up options for things like like autos um but that, you know you can only do that if you're going to see other factors with the cloning too doc with the contamination and now all these new or new to cannabis uh viroids and pathogens if you start from seed every time you have less most likely i would believe the less chance of getting some sort of uh cuttings you know, are like the number one Number right. one way to get pests, whether it's cannabis, whether it's like, you know, yeah. any kind of other produce, uh, especially California is particularly um, vehement about uh, the movement of citrus right now out of certain counties because of uh, citrus screening disease, for example. So definitely. I just saw uh, we mentioned them earlier in the show, so I just want to give them credit again because I'm a fan of theirs. Um, I think they're a great work. Um, Humboldt Seed Company actually and i know this is probably like a no duh but they tested their seeds for hot blade and thyroid and they came back negative just to kind of give people the reassurance they're like we kind of already expected this but we just want to give people the peace of mind and like they're just testing x amount of batches or whatever to confirm it but is it is it possible matthew to be transferred through seed to your knowledge or is that something they're still it seems out? like there there seems to be research and i'd love to see a little bit more of that especially more recently um and, and maybe more comprehensively, but it seems like there is research where movement, which we call vertical transmission from parent to offspring in plants, um, does happen to some degree, but it's very low in, in laboratory, in certain laboratory settings. And I think even the examples that I, and I'm forgetting the citation off the top of my head, uh, but I think actually what I was thinking of, it's either, it was either with cannabis or it might have even been with hops. And I think there are examples of both. And so, of course, that's not going to be representative of all situations, and it's definitely not necessarily going to be um, the case that the viroids that they took a look at, the, the hoplite viroid they look at, is going to be the same as the hoplite viroid um, elsewhere. And uh, in my intro to viroids with an emphasis on hoplite viroid video on my channel, I go over the fact that with other plant viroids, you can even get different strains, just like viruses, and, and they can operate very differently. So it is a more complicated question than that. Um, and also the question of if insects or other things can vector them, it seems like not so much. Um, but maybe for some cases, I mean, intuitively, it would make sense that it could be possible. Uh, and certainly there are plant pathogenic fungi who have been sh- that have been shown to be able to, pa- to pass it bidirectionally so they can get it. Uh, not hoplite viroid, but other viroids, and then also um, uh, transmit it as well. So that's kind of scary. Maverick from the chat says, and they're quoting Mean Gene from Mendocino, who Brandon's worked with some of their genetics, and uh, I think Kyle's currently working with some of his genetics as well. 
but they say about uh, Mean Gene, apparently, uh, this, somebody fact check me on this at, at a later date. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's the, same, it's the chat, same one. It's the, the same one, 10%. 10%. Yeah, it's the same one that I'm thinking of, like 1% okay. to 10%, which is low. And also, uh, you know, you could also presume that maybe that would be under an ideal condition because they're literally trying to make it happen. I think in, in that particular instance, they were like, well, when I say trying to make it happen, I guess I should be more... Well, you know what? I don't remember all the details. The intellectually honest answer is um, I'm going to put it in the chat so you can take a look at the research. Let me find that for you. Now, Matthew, when you mention taking cuttings or cuttings being a, a primary disease vector, there's two angles on that. And I just wanted to, to clarify this and get your thoughts. Um we're talking about sort of passing genetics around in the form of cutting. So you're going to get whatever problem the plant that you got that cutting came from. Or are you thinking about sort of the susceptibility of the cutting to pathogens in the, in the act of sort of taking the cutting? Oh, that's a good clarification. I'm really glad you brought that up. So yeah, so when you are taking cuttings, like the resulting cutting is going to be kind of stressed, right? So that's absolutely a relevant thing to mention. And I think I often overlook it myself. So thank you for bringing that up. So not only is that a factor to consider, but the primary thing that I was thinking of is just simply the fact that we get excited or, you know, we're, we're definitely the kinds of people to trust our, our homie who's growing and is like, you know, here, they're okay, man. They're no problem. And it could all be, I'm not saying that your friends are out to like hurt you, but sometimes you just don't know, like, you know, people, you can like sit on a, a couch in someone's house and, and transmit bed bugs to yourself. You know what I mean? And like, they didn't mean to do that or some other place or whatever. So you just got to be vigilant. Um, you just never know. Or in transport uh, things, there could be no symptoms of something like a spore of a powdery mildew or something. And maybe somebody's transporting it and their trucks are dirty or they're, they're transmitting it in a way that exposes it to the air and other things get onto it. Like, you know, various things can happen. That's not- uh, Well, it's in a weakened state too, especially if they're sending it the cutting itself. But yeah, I got you. A hundred percent, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Trust no man. We have another good question from the chat coming from uh, Toasties Burned. How Toasties Burned says, how do you do a bad job transplanting? I'll throw out a few uh, ways that I've done a bad job transplanting, and that is doing it too early. Like we were talking about earlier, it's a good idea to make sure that the root has uh, developed a good mass within whatever pot you're working with. Let's say it's a solo cup. It's developed a good amount of that solo cup. So when you transplant, it can hold itself together to some extent. Um, but if you don't have enough root mass and you go to try and transplant, a lot of that soil is just going to fall apart and you're left with very little root that's damaged and it's not going to typically do too well in the next pot. Another thing you could do is have it be too dry or too wet. Uh, if you just watered, I wouldn't transplant because the media is really sopping wet and it's like going to fall apart and not be the greatest. I'd, if you're planning to need to water, I would transplant first and then water in the new pot versus watering first and then transplanting. So those are a few things that I could think of, of like a quote, bad transplant, but I'd love to hear the rest of the panel's thoughts. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Um, back to sort of a nursery context, you, you do a dry back before transplants. So you have, you're almost sort of drought stressing the plants a little bit because um, 
that lessens the risk of, of root damage. Um, but yeah, definitely. I agree with Jack in terms of don't water right before the transplant, do the transplant before you water or just transplant into wet media. Um, that's fine. Uh, the other thing, and, and you were sort of touching on this too, Jack, is it, preparing properly the media that you're going into um, for several different sort of parameters, depending on how you're growing, but you don't want the new media to be very different than the media that they're currently in, um, in terms of electrical conductivity, in terms of pH, in terms of sort of those kinds of things that you can control. Sometimes, in, depending on how you're growing, you may be transplanting into a media that's going to be somewhat different. Um, but to, to try to, to try to ease that. So the way I grow, I always measure that, make sure that I can keep the, the EC in particular um, really comfortable, even down to the temperature of the media um, you want to. And this is more an issue earlier in like seedlings and sprouts and stuff. But you want to keep the media warm again or at the same temperature that everything else is. Um, you don't want it to be suddenly much colder on them. Great points. Um, the one thing I agree totally on the drying back before the transplant, I've noticed with solo cups or plastic pots or whatever um, container I'm in, now I use the easy swap pots, which snap open and make it really easy to transplant. But when I do use a plastic pot, um, getting it out of that pot when it's like on the drier side, it just will slide right out versus yeah. kind of being stuck to the walls or, but the, if I let it go like too, too, too dry, um, so I usually use like a butter knife and kind of like carve around the outside gently and massage the uh, outside of the plastic cup to make it easier to pop out. But um, yeah, when it's too dry, sometimes you'll just knock it entirely apart, but that could be the root mass probably died off because you let it get too dry. So uh, anybody yeah. else got thoughts on the, uh, how to do a bad job transplanting? Yeah. Another thing you can do for me, maybe it's more of a pet peeve than well, there's probably science to it too, but anything <clears throat> bigger than a one gal, so if I'm going to transplant a one gal into anything, I'm going to make the hole for that one gal that same size, and I'm going to plant it at the same level. I don't like planting my transplants deeper in the hole. I don't like elevating them up. I like it to be the same level. So that the top of the pot of the one gallon is still the top of the pot in the new pot. And, uh, you know, maybe a slight layer you know, a, a tiny little bit of media on top just to get everything level. But uh, I like it to be pretty close to the same level because by that time, I, I feel that the age of the stem has developed that thick skin on it. Now it's going to try to root out again if it's under media. So I, th I just, I don't know. I just think that slows it down. I don't like it. And, I, and I'm worried about root or not root, but stem rot when you do that. Like burying it deep and just kind of getting soggy down there yeah yeah you can get damping off in that situation so i agree with that some people when they transplant like to water kind of like if my mic is the plant my uh, finger is the watering wand they go around the outside of the pot when they transplant to keep the stem dry for those first you know week or two or whatever it is to let those roots kind of then work their way out to the outer edges of the pot and uh, avoid getting too damp because as you water some of that water accumulates and it just tends to, you know, work its way back up and you can get the center of the pot overly saturated really quickly, depending on your media uh, and have it have negative implications. So 
good to watch out for. And I agree, Spartan. I, d- I definitely like the even kind of top layer of your media. I've seen some people, I've even seen some like products like kind of advocate like the stacking method where you got your, your top root mass and then like, uh, I can't remember the name of the pot, but like the bottom of the pot just rips off and then it like stacks into the next one. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I mean, it uh, works. Rapid transplanter or whatever it's called, but it, it just to me. It defeats part of the purpose. I agree. I've seen some people preach that uh, actually leave like three, two, three inches above the new container so that the roots have more uh, substrate to grow into. New nah. crush substrate. I, wouldn't, I never did it, but I've seen someone was preaching that and uh, you know, like their plants end up healthy and that root mass that was above grade level just kind of turns hard and some of the time sometimes turns green but it, it's just like you know like a, an overgrown tree that has the roots above the ground the yeah, it's like roots I, I do a similar thing <clears throat> i do a similar thing outdoor but i'll never do it indoor because fucking it's all about height <laughs> it's all about right. why would you, you right. lose losing height for what reason well right. the purpose i was just saying the purpose of transplanting, one of the main benefits of transplanting is fully colonizing the, the volume of the container. And Spartan was alert, alluding to this earlier. Um, you want to take, you know, fully colonize the smaller container and then put that into the middle of the next container. So that area is already fully grown in with roots. Because if it's not, the roots are going to avoid that area because that's the area that's farthest from now the new edge of the container. And if you've ever grown a pot, a plant in a container, you'll know that the roots prefer to colonize the edge because they have better access to both water and air. Um, so we're, we're trying to, and if you leave the whole center area devoid of roots, then it really gets sort of stagnant in there because it's actually the roots that are pulling the water out. So by potting up, getting that good density of roots right into the middle of the pot, you're keeping that part of your pot from ever becoming sort of oversaturated. There's enough roots there pulling the water out that's creating that turnover effect. Otherwise, I mean, that's the benefit. So I don't see the benefit of growing in a small container and then just placing the small container without a bottom on top of a larger container because you're not sort of transplanting that root mass into that new larger container. And in that new larger container, the roots are just going to run to the edges and to the bottom and they're going to avoid colonizing the middle. Yeah, so this is the product that I was referring to. It's called the Rapid Stack Pot and I'm just not the... uh biggest fan of it but you could kind of see it just it's a plastic pot the bottom literally rips off and then they yep. just sit it down onto another pot and yep. let it rip but i've seen that before but there's just not going to be good root density in that second pot and from my perspective you've defeated the, the fundamental purpose of doing the transplant well one of them there's other benefits you're still getting i'll say this they don't look uh no offense to these people but i don't think their gardens are performing as well as some of the people that are doing a typical transplant would but i mean there are some people you know they're, they're getting their harvest in or whatever but i just found it to be an interesting concept to try and avoid the whole uh, transplanting idea but in my perspective you're just better off learning how to transplant properly and or like doing a good job or or trying a, a, another product like the easy swap pot you can snap the sides and then you just have access to the root ball and you can put it into the new pot at the level that you want it at and then yeah. fill the soil back in around it. So I'll tell you what, though, at production level, there is still nothing better than the fucking regular plastic pot. I've yet to see I use any product 
that I would say is better. I, I think that they're great. Fabric, actually. you can't you can't grab one in each hand in fabric. It's impossible. They're sturdy, so you can do that. You can wash them in a breeze and water. Boom, you're Just done. Just reusability. They're way easier to wash. The fabric yeah. pots. Yeah, maybe how about the AirPods, though, Spartan? What do you think about those? You can take them apart. They've got a lot of the, the same Air- advantages. Yeah, I'd have to see what an AirPod looked like. They're the, they look like the all corrugated plastic that you wrap around. I'm sure you've seen them. Side. Oh, got a bunch of holes on the side. Dude. It looks like a tank tray. They're like Eagle dimpled tank. edges all the way yeah. around. I'm about to I don't know. I've never used one, so um, but I've always heard that they bred fungus gnats was the biggest complaint. Yeah, those. Okay. Yeah, that's the only thing I've heard about them, but I've never used one. So I don't oh, know. No, I don't know why they would breed fungus gnats much more than any so other. Yeah, access points is what I was being told. So like they can go in and out a million different ways. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had that problem with them at all. Okay, like I was saying, I've never used them. I've, I've never had really that. issues with fungus nets. In the first do those year. do those pots stay rigid? Could you put one? Could you pick up a, like a five gallon one in one, yeah. one in each hand, and they stay rigid, and you can move them around. And, stuff? and you can also take them apart then with a screw, and they sort of lie flat, so you can unwrap them from the edge of the pot. So really easy oh, okay. to transplant. Makes it easier to wash too, probably. Yeah, they're really easy to wash. Anyways, yeah, I mean, I just like throwing it out there. Yeah, I, I, like I agree with a lot of your comments, though, in terms of like plastic pots. Yeah, I'm all for the reusability aspect. And honestly, um, as much as I'm all for aeration, it seems to me like even when you get a pot and like the roots colonize it and they get root bound, like once they've figured out, okay, this is the pot size that I'm in, like if it's a large enough pot and they colonize the entire thing, I've seen some killer ass gardens with like root bound ass plants like people show off the root bound plants they pull them out and it's fucking root bound as shit all the way around but that plant's producing really well because they've just got a big enough plant density and their sops and operation make that work for them granted it's not like quote unquote the perfect healthy thing because like we don't want to see the roots swirling or whatever but maybe it doesn't matter that much i guess in those in- <laughs> right at the margins i mean right at the margins a lot you can get away with a lot of things it's just how far you're going to push that right yeah, and when we go down to like our scale for most home growers, we want to maximize our square footage and figure out the appropriate pot size so that we're not getting at least tons of swirling. Maybe a little bit would be indication that you've you know colonized the entire pot, but maybe you could go a little bit larger or whatever it is. I don't know. That first, the first hydro store I went in, the dude was showing me he had a six-foot banana tree in a solo cup size root mass in a hydro aeroponic system. Yeah. And he pruned the roots, but um yeah i'm sure doc could attest that if you do the fertigation right and stuff you could you could have a small container with a mighty plant absolutely and so the way that the commercial facilities that do that are getting away with it is that they're doing a pretty high frequency fertigation and it, they're basically running it as though it was a smaller container um which you you can get away with it's not the most efficient or the most economical way necessarily um but you can certainly end up with good results and exactly what, what Tao is saying, you just, you have less sort of root area. So you have to make maximum use of it, um, keeping all the conditions sort of perfectly dialed in, but in an aeroponics in, in DWC and cocoa, we can grow pretty gigantic plants with pretty small root masses, as long as we're right on top of everything, like 24 hours a day. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. It's amazing. Like uh, some of the, and this is tomatoes, not cannabis, but like you see what they're growing in, in rock wool and like the, it's like a rock wool slab with like one little block. But then they have like a 50 
you know, foot tomato vine growing out of it that's yielding like pounds. It's just crazy the tiny amount of like media. If you can give it the proper EC and water and air ratios that it needs, it'll definitely produce. But uh, it's there's so many different ways to do it. So it's really interesting. I just wanted to let the panel or panel know that we may have some guests joining us soon because I did just share the link to the Zoom for anybody who's a familiar name. Uh, if you want to, and if you're not like um, coming into the Zoom with a name that I'll recognize, message me on YouTube first, and uh, then I'll be more likely to approve you jumping on and maybe asking questions, maybe showing off your garden, or just coming on to say hello and uh, letting us know maybe where you're listening from if you can legally. And uh, if not, just saying cheers, coming on and saying hello. I wanted to make this week about the chat. I think we've done a pretty good job of that so far. We answered a bunch of the good questions. I've seen the panelists also answering questions in the chat, Dr. MJ and others doing a good job over there. So uh, cheers to everybody. And um, if you have any more questions, you can keep on dropping them and feel free to tag any of the panelists that you might, uh, like if you have a question for Brandon or if you have a question for Spartan or Matthew, IPM related or like Check whatever it is, I'm we on. can drag Noah into this. He's been this. So this cool packaging we got at work. So this we got our little logo on here, Mint Canico, but but then it's strain specific. So this is you know animal tree, but we even got the cross on there. So you can see it says animal mints by lemon. I uh, can't lemon tree. Lemon tree. Yeah. And on the man, I can't get this camera to ever focus. There we go. Caregiver. We got caregiver crafted on it. We got the state of Michigan in here, and then. We got the who we got the cut from. What is here? So we even give credit to the person that we sourced the cut from. So we're trying to be super transparent with all our stuff. So we're super stoked on that one. And then the other one I have is donkey butter with a grease monkey and the triple OG. And then that one we got from. So I get it to focus. Zenka. Zeno. Zeno. Yep. I can't get, I wish I could focus on the, you can get the results and everything, but I can't get it to zoom like that. But anyhow, that was really, I don't know. I was really stoked just to see that stuff made me feel like official now to have actual, like a packaging for strain specific packaging, I guess I should say. So hopefully we can get, you know, by, by using our own packaging, we can get that information to the customer, even if the fucking, you know, dispensary doesn't want to do it. We can kind of force it, force the information out there. Sneak it by. It's on all the packages. So figure <laughs> yeah. it out one way or another. I like that uh, you guys are incorporating the art. It reminds me of Brandon Rust seed packs a little bit. And I think uh, you may have got some limelights that you might be hunting through that you said might go to your work if it ends up being uh, what you're looking for. So that'd be cool. Or a pack that you're hunting at work or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. We got, well, we got one at work. It's, it's went into the rotation. So we'll see. We're trying to, we're trying to, pop a new pack every month and then you know search through it and phenol hunt it props to that Gilbert in the uk asked uh if going on a weed vacation in usa which state would you recommend panel i what you know, time of year it depends on the time of year because I'm always going to say Michigan unless it's in the winter time, which is like yeah, I'll shout out for, for Colorado and for California. Um, obviously, you're looking for a state with a legal rec market and probably one that's been around for a little while. So there's there's like retail stores and things that you can tap into as a tourist. I agree with that. 
more or less well, definitely if you, if you do come to oklahoma you can get a temporary medical card while you're here and then you can enjoy all the cool stuff that goes along with you know being in oklahoma like going to like an event where you can smoke and drink and like no one's gonna say nothing to you and stuff like that that's cool we also offer out-of-state medical cards people if you come just google how to get a med card online usually you'll find a doctor who will do a video conference with you then you get your medical card they email it to you or whatever and then you can go to all the medical places which not only do you have more options for um like certain places are medical only delivery services or storefronts but on top of that you get uh, lower prices as far as less tax that you have to pay and um lots of reasons to go get that medical card but i would recommend california as one i mean a lot of people want to come to cali it's just great weather good to tourist destination for a ton of reasons but there are tons and tons of storefronts that you can go to that are recreational at this point and uh, if you do come let me know and i'll help point you in direction of some of the better products on the shelf a lot of it's gonna be very very expensive so get ready for some sticker shock and um, i'll help you avoid spending a lot of money on some bad product because there's expensive stuff out there that's doesn't represent its price well, who knows? I don't think cannabis is pricing. cheap in the UK. So That's true. I, I don't know that there's going to be much sticker shock. Um, he could maybe an, ask or reply what he pays for a gram or what sort of a gram price would be in the UK. But I, I think we might be the ones with sticker shock. I would think anything, anything, anything on the West Coast, um, if you, especially if you like, if you're over there, you, you don't get to enjoy the good weather like. Uh, Jack was saying, but uh, Oregon, Oregon's got really good prices of weed. They got really good. Uh, they have really good casinos. They have really good. Uh, you know, if that's your into, they have really good beaches. They have the. It's pretty friendly. Like you know, it's like don't ask, don't tell. I see a lot of people when I go to the beach. I go to the beach a lot. I see a lot of people on the beach smoking in Washington, Oregon, and I'm sure in California. So if I was from somewhere else, I would definitely go to somewhere that has beaches on the on the west coast is interesting and see i'd go up norcal like humboldt mendocino and and sort of tour around the the og sort of cannabis cultivation area um but there's a lot of good answers to this question if you're gonna go up there prepare for fucking crazy ass roads because it is not paved the way uh the roads in southern california or maybe the rest of the world are paved when you get up to humboldt arcata all those areas you get some really like backwoodsy areas and (laughs) you can Kind of get lost out there, and, and the cell service is uh, not necessarily what it is uh, yeah, in the like rest of the state. It's hysterical. Yeah, there's like you know highways too, though. No, it's it's developed for sure. They're they're like there's a school like Humboldt State University right in the middle of Redwood Forest, and uh, yeah. just a few miles from yeah. there, there are ganja farms and things like that. But yeah. I would suggest to Chilbert that he take a tour of the great states of America and visit every recreational allowed state and then report back to us on which one he found to be the best. There you go. Yeah, straight up, his his perspective would be better than ours coming as the tourist himself anyway. So I'd be, be sure to write back to us, Gilbert, and let us know where you went and how it was. If he won Lotto, that would be a lot easier to do than if he's trying to do it on his own dime, though. <laughs> I want to say cheers to the dog doctor who just jumped in the room. What's up, dog doctor? What's up, dog Hi, guys. Doctor? Sorry. Let me just finish to roll one. How's everybody? Spartan, Jack, everybody. I'm doing well. Great to be, to be back. What's up? 
and uh, great, great, great to have you guys back yesterday, also Spartan. Uh, actually, oh, two days ago. That was <laughs> great, great to panel, be back. Actually. Dudes, a lot of knowledge on the first show. A lot of I was there. The whole Dude, show. I was that way most of the show myself. He's talking about yeah. the ML show coming back on Friday night. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all good. How's everybody else doing? Good. We're happy to have you back. Good. good thank you. How's the garden, Ben? How are things going across the pond? Oh, there's a lot of happening right now. I'm. One second. I'm sorry. I'm uh, are, uh, preparing my garden for outsides, but it's been really cold, and so I have everything inside still. So there's a lot of a lot of things happening right now, and actually today is the last day on that um, runs that uh, I talked here live. Today it's the last day that uh, they're having lights, so you're actually going to see how it end up. Oh wow! Nice. Right, so I have a question for you uh, as you walk over there. Have you done any international travel, and has any of it been cannabis friendly? Have you come over to the U.S. at all, or anywhere else that you can try cannabis outside of your locale? Oh yeah. I've been going to California and actually I'm not going for a while but I, I, I did like 10 maybe 12 seasons in California I started dreaming and, and then I started making friends and going to just straight to the same farms and it became the friends and I, I acquired a lot of knowledge I started going earlier and helping with stuff and going back and coming and etc and it was really fun actually and apart from that I travel around the world, so whatever I travel, I always see cannabis. It's one of the things that I look around, either it's in India, South Africa, or whatever. I always try to... In India, it was more about the charas than actually the weeds. Uh, but in South Africa, no, it was all about the, with the, the pure weeds that they have there. It was that turban poison. <laughs> Oh my god! That's a different kind of high, man. That stuff will get you going. It's it's electric. It's, it's, it's for for hours and hours and hours and hours, and it's, it's 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 very different. And it's not supposed to be even that strong, but it's very balanced with you know. In our days, I think that they're taking out of all the balance on the weeds, on the new strains. They're just going for the THCs, the high THCs and THC. And yeah, it gets you high, but not I think not for so long but maybe more intensively somehow. But then again, I kind of like that, that uh, mid-ground mid there that uh, you get you high. If you want to get too high, you smoke more, but I don't know, just me. So where you guys want to start? I'm sorry, you cut out. I'm sorry, where do you guys want to start? Let's start at the, the one that you topped. You said the gelato. It's finishing up okay. today. That's exactly what I was hoping, actually. So let's go here. So it's, I got a question for everyone. Do you, what, what do you think uh, affects the length of the high after smoking uh, as far as cultivation? Is there anything or is it genetics? Or uh, what do you guys think about that? I'd say part one, genetic. Part two, uh, tolerance. So if you have a high tolerance, you're not going to have your high last as long. But if you have low tolerance, it's going to last a lot longer. And I think genetically, the strains tend to be, that, that I found the last longer, tend to like, and I know we talked about like the paradigm not being the best, but like the more like uplifting, what people used to call like sativa type highs, like the head, headier stuff. 
uh, tends to be a little bit more long-lasting than like the punch in the face, more potent. Uh, Dog Doctor, I think we've got your active background is, is blocking it, so it's not going to allow... Oh, I have to... Okay, I'm sorry. So We're getting your logo. Background, yes, I'm, I'm taking it out. off. There, there we go. go. And then turn boom, your phone to the left. There we go, boom. There we go. Apologize. So... And this is all gelato, or is this a looking no, pretty frosty? A runs. Oh, runs. Sorry, it's a gelato cross. Focusing I'm pretty. I'm happy with this one. They're pretty well. I, mean, I like they how they're really sort of small plants, but uh, the smell—it's the pines in here. It actually takes. Yeah, it looks good. We might have lost him to the mylar of the tent. I know sometimes I we lost them. Drops the I connections. Say it looks good. I don't see nothing. <laughs> I'm watching the the YouTube feed, which is like on uh, okay. I don't know 10 second delay or something, but it just froze up on me too. <laughs> it's back. I'm sorry. I'm back. I think. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think you're um, sideways. I don't know. It, it's stuck. It's moving. It's oh, moving it's, sideways. It's like vertical, so we're, we're seeing it like you'd have to okay. turn your head. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Now, now we can see it. There, there you back. go. Oh, okay, yeah. I apologize. I don't know. I was no. saying they are very small plants, but they are amazingly. They smell like uh, you open a pine from a pine tree and you take the little pines and you smash them. Yeah. And uh, they, oh, wow. I don't know, I make like this and look. Sticky as fuck. It's they're crazy. I'm in love with this. I I, I really cannot wait to to try this out. Nice. Yeah, so many plants are we looking at? Much either. That's very attractive sounding. Two plants. Let's see the undercarriage. Three plants. Okay. Three seeds. Yeah. Very gotcha. similar. Chiba man asks, "What's what's your grow medium?" It's soil. And I'm using in this one, I use the all in one pallets. So I pretty much water them and gave them some microbial life and uh, enzymes and stuff like that. And they have been doing water for the last uh, two weeks. Yeah, that, them pallets did, did good, it looks like. It's essentially just like a dry organic nutrient. Yeah. It, it breaks down over time. Like when we were talking three to four weeks, it, it takes to break down and provides nutrients over that time while it's being broken down did great i mean love i'm definitely gonna go for them again actually they i think they're sending me they they reach out to me for for a sponsorship and i i think they're sending me the pallets one i hope so nice i love when you use somebody's product and they're like hey you're doing a good job want some for free like yes dude yes (laughs) what i i ask what i have to do Nothing, just keep doing what you're doing, keep uh, talking about us like you do, and it's okay. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm happy with that. Hey, it's an honest review. You know, you use it, you like it, and uh, why not save yourself? This is a cheap home grow. Save yourself that money. That's pretty much it. If it was something I wouldn't use, I would probably wouldn't accept the, the sponsorship or whatever you call this. So, in this side, I'm recovering some clones. I think they're bouncing back. I see. 
the greens coming out, but they they suffered a lot. I, they have a lot going on. I didn't have time for them, so they almost kind of died. They were all yellow, all the leaves burned. So I clean it up. I've been foliar spraying them while they're stretching a bit. I've been filling it up, but I think pretty soon I'm flipping them. I'm I'm happy with the the new growths that they are coming out everywhere. So I probably will give them one more feeding and then up we go again. I'm going for pallets in here again. Oh, in here. Yeah. Fresh babies. They they don't have roots. They have uh, three days, so no roots in there. This will be Sunset Server. And this is the blueberry cross with the gorilla number four. I did like it, so I'm gonna do second run with it. And now in here, there's a lot of happening. I hope that the hot weather comes soon because I'm staying out of space. I think we're all getting ready for the uh, warm weather or hoping for it, yeah. depending on where you're at. Hoping for, but look, the beans, the peas, they're way too big already to be in here. They would be great outside already yeah. climbing something. Can you no. top them? I don't, I don't grow peas, but can you top it back and just let it keep chilling? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. It's my first time growing bees, actually. Uh going to be a root bound issue eventually. Yeah, these are like a vine. They're just keep Yeah, going. that thing's ready to go though, right? That little Yeah, they are. Vines are open. amazing. The way they that little tentacles searches for something to grab onto. She's ready. Look, if, if there was something here, she would start yeah. to rolling on for sure. There's a climbing beans, yeah. Yeah, these are climbing beans. Uh, uh, these are uh, pink beans. These are some different kinds, all different types of peppers. And here they have peas. These are peas actually, different, different type of peas. This is pumpkin, celery. This is giant pumpkin. Those are all different types of tomatoes. In here I have cucumbers. This is something I'm trying to grow for the first time. It's called lady fingers. I have no idea how this grow. I'm pretty curious. In here, I don't even know what I have. This is melons, watermelons, green melons. In here, it's my first run of autopods. So I decided to pop autoflowers for them. Nice. Four different breeders, four different autoflowers. You got the air yeah. domes in there too? Yes, sir. They're not connected yet. They're way too small. I'm still watering from the top. There are like four days, I think, something like this in there. This is a watermelon candy from Zamnesia. That's a Somango Blue from Advanced Seeds. This is from Buddha Seeds. This is an assortment. I have no idea what it is. They gave it to me. I'm going to give them a try. And in there, it's a fast buds uh, Bruce Banner that is delaying like the hell. 
I'm not sure. It's the first one didn't pop out. I put another one in water. She opened it. I waited for a little tail. I put it in. It's there for a day and a half, and I still see nothing. So I don't know. In here, a lot of work to come yet. How long would you wait before you pop another seed if that one doesn't pop up? Uh, in the in in the water. I wait uh, two days, two, three days. And if there's nothing happening to the seeds, that means that she's not happy. And that, that even if she pops, she will probably slow as hell. Uh, after she has a little tail, like tiny little tail, I just grab her. I put it in whatever medium I'm using. If uh, the autos I put straight in the, in the soil, everybody says it's better for them. Uh, the rest I put in uh, the little... Pardon? And not everybody, but uh, not everybody. Uh, but that's many, okay. many people. Oh, yeah, we were talking know, about I'm this sorry. earlier. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I say everybody, it's it's uh, from I, I never grew autos. I grew autos one time actually, and they grew amazing. So yeah. I'm gonna. But give this is actually what we were talking about earlier. I would I would specifically recommend that you're gonna struggle with putting them straight in the auto pots. I, I'd start your autos in a smaller container and then transplant them into those auto pots. Um, okay. This is this is going to be a situation where they they they're going to be filling in the the roots. They're going to be looking for the water in a bottom feed system. Um, it's going to really slow down the the early growth, and then they're going to start flowering as little plants, and they won't ever have time to catch up. So, um, if that one doesn't make it, if you decide to to launch a new start, I just give it a whirl. Try to start it in the the solo cups that we were talking Make about the first part of the show. And um, yeah, see, you know, get it growing up and then pot up into those auto pots. I think you'd have better success. I don't have the the water connected yet. I'm still uh, watering from the top. Okay, until you're talking. Yeah, until I feel that they have uh, they are big enough, I will be just top yeah. feeding. It's just a uh, huge mass for that that little plant to try to fill that that area with roots. Um, it seems logical what you're saying. Yeah. Long time, I, think. Yeah. I was gonna say, I wonder when it'll hit the bottom because, like, if you did like you talk about in a solo cup, a solo cup's about as deep as that pot. So when you transplant in, it's almost immediately gonna have access. Even if you just did like a half inch layer of soil on the bottom, transplant yeah. into that, it's got a half inch layer to go to get to the uh, water all the time. But when it's starting at basically the very top of the pot and I know uh, the taproot does tend to go down pretty quick, but pot already, yeah. It was um depending on tap out, but then it won't up. fill in very well. It'll it, take a long yeah. time to fill in the mass. It should be right. capillary action. The whole soil block should be wet. So I mean it shouldn't be an issue for the roots to get water. If, Correct. If, yeah, if it's not the water's not the just at the bottom. bottom, it's just coming up from the bottom. Right. The, this it, is soil until here. And then it's clay balls and the okay. So you got different remember so I think like two two weeks at least I will be. Damn, those are big them. pots. What size are those? There's yeah, like five gallons. Uh, I They're don't know. Seven, they are maybe? the smaller size. I think they're bigger than that. They are the same, same sizes. I think they're sevens. Yeah. What are they in liters? Okay. Uh, I can those tell. In liters, they are sixteen liters. Okay, so I I thought either... they were way smaller until I saw your arm went down there. Then I was like, oh wait, those are way bigger. No, 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 no. Sixteen no, no, liters yeah. is like five gallons. Yeah. Yeah. Five gallons, yeah, five. It's five. Yeah, I was thinking yes. they were like the little one-gallon ones. Yeah. No, I didn't even know there was one gallon the autopots. I thought I know there are these ones got, and they are. They've got the fabric ones, ones too. No, the fabric ones I saw. They, they didn't have it, and I wanted so badly that uh, uh, 
I ended up buying these ones. <laughs> those, <laughs> you'll, you'll like those better. You'll like those better. better in that kind of setup, right? Pardon? I bet you the fabric would be better in that kind of setup with the constant water underneath, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Plastic so. wicks better up the side. So, I mean, the earth boxes work fantastically, and those have plastic sides and then a plastic shower cap top. And it works, I mean, like, think about like a plastic cup. It holds water very well. Um, and it allows the water to like run up the side and then spread its way out throughout the media. So I think that you said that you had a first run was great with autos and a lot of people actually struggle with their first run with autos. So whatever you're doing, it may work right for you in your setup. So, but it's, I also agree with doc. If that one doesn't sprout, you could do your own little side by side and then run one in a solo cup until it's ready to be transplanted and then throw that into the system. I'm going to give her two more days maximum. And if she's not coming out, like all of them came out to, I put them there one day after they all, they came out. So they have, they have two, three days out of, of the, of the soil. this one, it's in there already for today is going to make 48 hours. And I didn't open it yet today, but just by looking at it, no, I see nothing in there. No. It's one of the most uh, anxiety-provoking times as a grower. You're planting that seed and waiting for it to sprout. Oh, Will it? No. Oh, I, I'd go in I with a, my little micro trowel and start digging around. Like I was just going to say, yeah, I dig it. I dig. I yeah. Looking. I don't have patience for that kind of shenanigans. <laughs> You'll pull it out. I, I just plant another one right in there and say, fuck I it. I won't. Like, I'll take a break a tine off a plastic fork and then start digging very carefully and see what I come up with. I found her. She's pretty much the same as I went in there. She's, she's, oh, it's right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, there you go. That's coming. I wouldn't give I, up. I, we'll see. I don't know. Three you said it's been sitting days. right like that for a couple of days, though, I guess. Yeah. Today will be 48 hours. So I, I do believe for an auto, she has to be bigger than that. They, they are faster. So I'm going to go for the third one. Please, Femme. Femme Auto. Yes, from this one. This one was supposed to be the best uh, breeder. It's from Fast Buds, supposedly. <laughs> they are the ones that everybody talks. I don't know again. That's... Best is definitely but... a relative uh, label, I'd say, when it comes to something like that, when there's not like a hard metric. Yes. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the Zemnesium run, so I expectations for the the auto also if the terpene profile and the the grown is half of what it was with this runs i will be happy i'll say i've been uh, impressed by fast buds marketing materials like they do a good job of breaking down their strains showing them off uh, describing their aromas even terpene profiles in certain ones and um, good quality quality content to highlight Autoflowers are a relatively new thing in general, I'd say, like, as far as uh, the commercialization of them, especially, yeah. and seeing them become mixed with the photo periods and getting prettier and more potent, larger, generally. I think uh, it's definitely something that's changed the cannabis world. From what I hear, a lot of the um, seed sales are auto and femme, uh, feminized and autoflower. So, like, the regular seed market, the, like, male-female uh, stuff that's photo period is getting smaller and smaller with time and more people are growing autos, more people are growing femme because they don't want to go through hunting or killing males off and all that. Oh, 
I'm doing fan for a while now. I don't pop uh, regular seats for a few years already. Mostly because exactly of that. When like this, I'm eighty, like ninety percent sure it won't be a male. I just need to look for arms or whatever. But which I don't know. I I never had a arm actually, so I look for them. But I never had with a female problem. You got smart poker in the house. Cheers, smart poker. What are we looking at here? Cheers, everybody. Can you hear me well? Hey, buddy. Yes, sir. Cheers, man. Yeah, Yeah, we hear you good. Uh, This is a shout out to our buddy Kyle. This is uh, Kyle's Amy Aces. Cheers. Yeah, she's in a four by four ten here all by herself. She did pretty good at filling it out. Yeah, she did. And uh, some of the training got away from us, but she was a tricot, so we didn't train her normal you know uh we just topped her from like six and a half nodes say (laughs) back to four and kept all from one through four and just kind of trained them out here and then uh one plant fell in a four by four is always a a a beautiful and lovely monster sight i mean it's 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 cool i I love that i love it too well it's really well done i like it yep the only reason we did it is because the other ones were males. So we kind of, we vegged this plant for 40 days from, from, we dropped it on the new year's, new year's Eve there at midnight. And then we flipped it on uh, the 10th. Of That's four February. by four. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a plant for a 40 day veg. Exactly. That's what I was oh, yeah. That's this is, this is cocoa high frequency fertigation grows, guys. Oh, okay, Mafo yeah. is one of the masters of it, too. He's, <laughs> he does a good job with his plants. That's beautiful. That's a beast. And Amy Aces is a vigorous ass plant. When I uh, grew it in my earth box, it grew a lot larger than I was expecting, and I had to uh, bend it over. It was a very, very large and, and big producer. So it's um, it look it looks a lot like what Smop Poker is growing here structure wise. It just has a big, strong leaders. You have to it's, it's tough because like you want to super crop or bend it down, but it's literally like so vigorous and thick stalked that sometimes it's hard to even bend those branches. You can see there's a fascination right there, or a fasciation, I guess they call it, or a, a, no, a yeah, fasciation. You're right. Uh, uh, it has like uh, the stem turned into, I don't know if I can get in there far enough, but the stem turned into like a uh, flat. Well, it, it curved like a, like a celery stick. It's just like a celery stick. It's like four, four nodes into one, you know, and that's the first time we've ever had that. It's been fun. We got a couple clones of this girl too, and I sure am happy that uh, they're doing well. I'm all for the mutant stuff, man. I think it's cool. And Oftentimes, not oftentimes, I can't cite many other examples, but there are sometimes beneficial things within the mutants, and this looks frosty already. What week into flower is this? Uh, four weeks yesterday oh, into flower, and uh, it smells like um, rubber and cheese. That's the two smells that I, that me and my wife were noticing. Those were two in, in my Amy's, you know, that I got to. I also had some citrus, but the citrus has kind of died down as it's cured up. And now it's mostly, it's really cheesy, like really, really fucking cheesy. And then there's uh, that rubber ball. I don't know if that's what RB stands for in the proprietary, but it has like that blue, like handball, rubber ball smell. Yes. Uh, like a fresh rubber. That's exactly, it. that's exactly it. Hey, there's two things about this plant that I think people find 
uh, a little bit off maybe. Well, there's the AirPods. I want to say we're big proponents of the AirPods, love those, but I like all plastic as long as there's plenty of holes, but I really like these AirPods, especially with the, with the auto fertigation. But this plant's only been fed, uh, get this, no higher than a, a 900 EC, and that's including like 200 EC of tap water. And it's never expressed any CalMag deficiency or any deficiency of any kind. And actually, uh, this light is, uh, check this light out. It's a 330 watt light. It's a fluence. It's made for uh, vertical, vertical integration, you know? So you can run it at like six inches and still only be at like 950 micromoles. And uh, a couple of those might be right around the top mark, but uh, it's really collecting the full quantum load here, the way it's spread out. And for 330 watts, I think the micromoles per gram return is going to really surprise a lot of people in this tent. And I hope you stay yeah. tuned to check it out. Yeah, your gram per watt's going to be off the charts. Um, your grams per micromoles are too. But yeah, it's a beautiful plant. And I think that's a good lesson to, to reiterate. So that's a really low EC max, only 900 um, you really don't have to push your plants and sort of the idea of pushing your plants isn't even the right idea. It's getting them what they need and getting it to them, you know, when they need it and consistently. And you can grow big, beautiful, glorious plants that don't have tip burn and aren't being slowed down by sort of the, the swinging electrical conductivity. So excellent job showing that off. Thank you. Thank you. I learned all this from your site, Doc. So shout out to you. And I think most everybody knows that by now, but I, ha I still to this day enjoy all all of this and, and it's like an, it's awe inspiring to watch all this go down in front of you and feel like you know I did this man me and my friends okay. and we did this and uh, it's it's amazing and so I appreciate you guys letting us come on and have a platform here to help show it off and uh, shout out to Tyler this shit's amazing and you did a great job buddy. It's cool no, to see they, seeds that you won on the show. Yeah, those are the seeds you won on the show. Thanks for showing it off, Smart Poker. I'm I'm digging it. You're doing awesome. She's just looking incredible. Daga dot garden. Get your own seeds. I saw yeah, there's only a few packs left over there. And search Amy, and uh, you'll see the American ones little icon there with the American top hat. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful job, Smart Poker. Making me Thank you. It's been a lot of fun and we're still having a ton of fun. And it's, it's great to be able to share all this with you guys and uh, to see your gardens and hear all your experiences as well. Chat's giving you lots of love. And uh, I know it's coming up to that final uh, 15 minutes or so here that I don't really pass it over to Spartan Grown. See if he has any final thoughts and uh, shout outs before he has to get running over to the Michigan Bros Grow Show. MGMA. Oh, no, I was uh shout out to chat. Sorry about the the hot webcam girls. I'm I'm trying to keep them out of here, but man, it's difficult <laughs> for me. We're, we're we're so quick that we're fucking hiding and unhiding at the same time. So it gets challenging, but we got through it. <laughs> but cheers, uh panel. It was a fucking great show as always. It was great to see uh Dodd Doctor. Great to see you. Has it's been a while, man. So that's yeah, that's cool. true. And Love seeing one plant, but you know, in these states where we have plant counts, it's it's cool to see one plant filling a four by four. So I really enjoyed seeing that. They're asking in chat about what that was that your plant was sitting on, but I, I'm assuming it's just a, a shelf from a, like one of those three shelf wire racks. 
Yep, it's just a baker's rack from Lowe's, you know, that sits in the circles. I have it up on some blocks. That way I can test my runoff. And once a day I come in and dump my runoff. This plant actually gets uh, fertigated 18 times a day at low volume. I think wow. we're on like. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't think I've ever gone that high. 18 times per day. What's your interval? You're just doing is like, is it going well, through the dark period? The dark period is overwatered and the light period is underwatered. Yeah. So it's an, a 90 minute interval? Yep. Every 90 minutes. That's cool. That's I cool. Got, the, the system needs some working on, so I'll definitely have to tweak it around. But uh, yeah, it's it's going well so far. It's growing a big, Man, beautiful that, plant. That's part of the way yeah. you can get away with having as low as 900 EC and still have yeah. a happy, healthy plant because yeah. it's always constantly at 900. It's not 900 and then it got sucked down to three and right. then it got bumped back up to 1300 or something, or it's a thousand. Then you go, for, you know, he's actually measuring the runoff. He knows exactly how much he's putting in each time and then yeah. getting an idea every single day of where it stands. So knowing those inputs, that's one of the beautiful things about cocoa or hydro in general is you really do have the ability to control it and dial it in and uh, make those tweaks like feeding 18 times a day and having it not uh, it's automated. So it's not like he's in there hand watering it 18 times. There's a system that's pumping it out for him. So uh, he's checking it once a day and usually I'd imagine making minor adjustments, but uh, having great success. And uh, as far as like EC goes, I don't see any reason to go any higher than like 1.5 or 1.6. If you're using a kind of high frequency fertigation approach, because everybody that I've consulted with who's had issues I ask them what their EC is at, and many of them say, I don't have an EC meter. So I'll say, let's start there, like get an EC meter and see where you're at. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's it's 3.5. And I'm like, okay, that's too high. Like, let's bring that down below two and then see how the plants work. And they're like, oh, under two, it's a lot happier. And like, let's get it to like one seven, one six, one five. And like, it's still happy. So I definitely think uh, people tend to push the EC, especially because unfortunately, we have people that I do, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. There are people that are growing entire warehouses of, of plants and they're getting yields and they're feeding their families and they're making this their job, but they'll tell you, Hey, run a three EC in Rockwell or, or in Cocoa or whatever it is. And they've got more sophisticated systems and different SOPs and they're sharing, I don't know, let's say 50% 50 of the, the process. And then people go and run with, Oh, well they said at jungle boys to run super high EC and then do big (laughs) drybacks. And then their plants get fucking fried. And they're like, well, what did I do wrong? It's like, did you have the same CO2? Did you have the same temperatures? Humidities? Like, There's a lot of things that go into it. So don't like, just think that you could copy somebody's SOP and immediately have success. I got to jump out here, guys. All right, Spartan. Thank you I'll so much for later. joining us and Good hanging love, around. We'll see, you, see you guys next week. Girls Peace love. out. Love. Girl love, Spartan. Like MTMA, buddy. Indeed. Got to fight for those home grower rights and for people like you in places in uh, Smart Poker. Both the two guests that came on tonight in, in red areas that don't technically have the ability to uh, legally grow their own yet. So uh, you know, props to you guys so for fighting changed. a good fight, standing for what you believe in and uh, being a little bit civil disobedient. Cause if the law is unjust, I think sometimes you have to break it. Like you know, if they say you can't grow cannabis, that's your only medicine and your best medicine, or it's going to help you and your family in a lot of ways. Yeah. Then uh, I don't think we have if much you're choice. Not, if you're not hurting anybody and you're doing things the right way for yourself and the, uh, I do believe it's exactly what you're saying. This is just some hypocrisies going in around the world that is changing and it will be changed any day. It's just uh, whoever is delaying it, for them, it was always the same and it was always legal. So, you know, that's why they're delaying it. They don't care. And the other ones, they don't know shit about it. So they're there in a job 
doing a job that they actually don't know how to do it, but uh, they're doing it. So that's that shit. It, it is slowly, what it is. slowly moving in the right direction. How are things going yeah. in the Pacific Northwest for Noah the Groa? I don't know if we're able to see your garden anymore at the end of the show or if you just want to pop in, but we haven't heard much from you tonight. So I'm just curious. Uh, we, we got to check in a few weeks ago. Uh, it seems like you probably have had a recent harvest lately because uh, where you were at when we last got the updates. Oh, yeah. And um, of course, just now uh, we just have a daylight savings. So my lights don't go on until six. I just flipped that time. But man, that's funny. Uh, I was really listening. You know, I've been listening to the show the whole time, just, you know, really paying attention. I try to. And it's funny when you're talking about these laws, these archaic laws. It's, I just want to shout out all the OGs and all the outlaws that did this, you know, before there was a medical plan, before it was legal. Those are the real, the real OGs, the guys that were doing it no matter what, just knowing that it was, uh, you know, a lot of propaganda about how, you know, cannabis has been, you know, de- deployed and, and everybody's just talking bad about it. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I just shout out to all those guys that did it regardless. You know, I get it. You know, people have kids and they got, you know, different responsibilities and they got to do legal stuff. But we, uh, you know, all those hippies and OGs, you know what I mean? In California and all over the place that have been doing this for a long time, you know, regardless of the law, you know, it's pretty cool. Any, anybody even in the U.S. right now growing, it's not like we're Canada. We're not federally legalized and the coal memorandum is no True. longer. So technically we could be prosecuted federally. So all of us are kind of outlaws in a sense for growing cannabis at this point. Um, so cheers to anybody who's growing. And, and, you know, I think more people need to get into it. I think that the U.S. needs to embrace maybe a more Canadian approach and uh, go federal because they seem to figure it out and not have crazy issues. But I think there's a lot of... Uh, shit on the back end that we could probably have a whole show about why it's not and won't be or whatever but and all the implications behind that but it's not the most fun topic especially when we've got more interesting things to talk about and look at uh smart poker what is your cat's name i just saw it uh checking out your garden and uh do you ever let the cat eat any of the leaves of your plants oh for sure her name's mimsy and she's my best little friend as well as my wife and uh she always sneaks in uh, she'll get, she'll get the babies if I'm not careful, but, uh, you can see I have a little grade here and, uh, a lot of people tell me, keep her out of there. She's a, she's a pest magnet. I know that, uh, Matthew's probably cringing, but she's my little buddy. She stays in the house only. And, uh, yeah, she does get to nibble quite a bit. She eats too much. She'll get sick. So I try to keep her at bay, but, uh, she is a good garden buddy. My, my kids yeah, definitely I, I, love that. <laughs> Go ahead, Matthew. I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, cats are great, man. As just as long as it's not killing a bunch of wildlife outside, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. <laughs> you don't worry about like you know cross contamination, like a, a flea from a, a even if your cat had fleas for whatever reason. And I'm not saying that it does, but even in the worst case scenario that it did, it's not like a flea is going to. It's not like a flea turns into a spider mite. You know, a flea is a flea. You know, it's it's gonna right. go after your cat, not after your plant for the most part, mm-hmm. from my knowledge. So is there any crossover uh, potential pathogens that could come from a pet, whether it's dog or cat, Matthew, anything that you've heard of in just, real life? Just as a fomite, just as like, uh, you know, it's walking around outside, picks stuff up on its fur, walks back into your house. Maybe, you know, that, that would be the only real reason generally. Um, but again, if you're vigilant and you spot it early, then you know, you should be fine regardless for the most part. That's a good point. And I wanted to say on the cat's behalf, my cats eat the leaves and they did it whether I allowed them to or not. Um, I, I block off the garden space so they can't get to it, but um, occasionally I'll let them get it. And I asked my vet because I was curious and I was like, hey, 
you know, is it okay if my cat is eating uh, plants? And they're like, well, what kind of plants? I was like green leafy plants. And eventually I admitted that it was cannabis, but they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's fine. It's actually good fiber. It's healthy for them. And the roughness of the leaf is actually going to prevent fur balls is what they help. Uh, they said, so oh. it has benefit for the cat. So my cats That's love cool. it. I always feed them my, my non-breeding males and or uh, plants that just don't make the cut. I end up just leaving around the house as like house plants that get a little bit of sunlight and, and then the cats graze on them <laughs> throughout time. And they really seem to enjoy it. So I don't uh, let, I don't bother them too much. Let them enjoy. It's the, the community medicine. Plant. Like I said, fixes everything. <laughs> There's a lot to be said about that. I mean, there are so many different, like, um, I always forget his name, but uh, Bushwick Bill, he came on the Adam Dunn show and he talked about how he had bronchial asthma as a child in Jamaica. And the way that he got rid of it was by having cannabis tea every single morning and every single night. It was a uh, cannabis and mint leaf and they'd boil it in a pot. Not the way that most of us think about consuming cannabis, but his old Jamaican remedy. And he said he had asthma as a child and did not have asthma uh, as a young adult. So an, an adult. So it was amazing what it's potentially capable of curing and, and treating amazingly powerful plant i mean the rosses have sang about it for decades and decades and there's uh, so much history behind it but we're finally getting to see more and more medical i mean there's spartan said if you just go to google scholar and type in cannabis and medicine the links isn't like hundreds it's like hundreds of thousands so there's more stuff found out every single day and i'm happy to be able to learn as much as we can about this plant because Lifelong, I've always felt like it's been a net positive for me and many others. So happy to get to talk about it. And with that said, I'm going to pass it around first to our guests. And I'll start with Dog Doctor. Hey. Hi. I'm on. I was muting before because I cough. I'm sorry. So thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for it. It's great to be back. It's been a while. And uh, it's, it's always nice to talk with you guys. It's really a pleasure and an honor. I want to thank you, Jack, Matthew, the American one, Spartans, Mike Poker, Noah, Russ, Dr. MJ, Coco, everybody on panel and not everybody on the chat. It's really great. Even when we don't jump in, just talking on a chat and listen to you guys, it's an amazing show. I really appreciate all the knowledge and all the good laughs and the good times that we actually spend together, even if we are really far from each other. And I would like to, to thank actually to my to uh, both to uh, Aptos Nutrients uh, for for sponsoring me and for helping me with uh, with everything. That uh, that will be a big help for me, and uh, it's something that I really believe in. So I, I'm truly humble and thank you for them. Uh, also, Mars Hydro and Viper Spectre for the lights and the stuff they sent me, of course. And uh, I'm Dog Doctor. You can find me in my journals. Uh, at the Grow Diaries uh, as Dog Doctor or in Instagram as Dog Doctor Official. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dog Doctor. Fun. Always a pleasure seeing your garden, and it was cool to see the result of the plant that was topped months ago at this point, uh, maybe on the show, and uh, get to see it now right before it, on its last day of light, literally before it gets harvested. It's true, so actually, yeah. it's very actually. cool. Cool progress on thank that. You. And thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you. And next up, Smart Poker. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I remember when Dog Doctor topped that. He wasted no time, and he grabbed the scissors. Boom, it was done. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to take a quick second and shout out Doc and uh, CFC. This is the little uh, Max's Sun MF1000 that we won, and we have our little clone station going here that's going pretty good. I wanted to hurry up and shoot that. But uh, 
Yeah, I appreciate, uh, same as Dog Doctor said, I appreciate the time you guys give every week, the knowledge that you share freely and uh, for letting someone, you know, people come on here and uh, it's an honor to be around you guys and to be uh, able to get your, pick your brain a little bit. So thanks for having me. You can find me on Instagram as Real Smart Poker. You can find me on YouTube as Smart Poker every Sunday at the Sundays and Confuse show. And you can find me on Cocoa for Cannabis as Smart Poker as well. And cheers to the chat. Thanks again and grow our love, everybody. Grow our love to you, Smile Poker. It was great having you. As always, uh, great to see you. Um, and it was great to have you on the panel this week. And thank you so much for joining. Next up, we've got Russ Brandon. What's going on, guys? Brandon Russ here. Uh, appreciate, you know, uh, everybody coming on the panel and being here every weekend. And I'll see you guys again next weekend. You can find me at Russ.Brandon on Instagram. And you can also find my company at Bokashi Earthworks for all your fertilizer amendment and microbe needs. Have a good night, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. And next up, Noah the Groba. Yeah, I had a great time. I wasn't talking a whole lot. I was kind of paying attention. I, uh, I learned a lot from the panel as well. And um, yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure if I was on the last time Dog Doctor was on. That was really cool. It's funny. He's growing runts. I just got a clone of that. So we'll see how that goes. I'll be having that in my flower room and I'll be posting pictures of that on my Instagram page too. And, uh, yeah, I'm Noah the Grow with two E's. You can find me there on Instagram. And um, I'm going to be posting some pictures. I'll probably post some pictures of this this platinum and this dosey dose plant I got left right here. And I got a few more ones in there. Um, I've really been kind of really jumping in headfirst and getting my garden back in order. And uh, it's nice to, to really get it under control when you have when you're running four lights like that. I'm actually I turned the fifth one on now. I got five going, so. I got a lot going on in there, but uh, yeah, I had a great time as always. I'll see everybody next week. Five lights has a lot of dank that you're cranking out over there, Noah. Cheers to you, well, just man. Just wait. Oh, I know. I, I, I see what you're capable of, and I see how quickly you're already dialing in the organic. So I'm happy to see what you're producing, and I know that it's only going to get better and better. So it's fun to watch, uh, and I appreciate you even if you're just kind of hanging out and uh, quietly listening and learning along with everybody else. It's uh, great to have you on the panel every week. And speaking of runs, I know you just talked about getting a cut. It's funny. I just tried another color or flavor of runs um, before I get to the rest of the panel, just real quick. I had gold runs, which makes it now I've had gold runs. I've tried white runs. I've tried pink runs and I've tried regular runs. So <laughs> they're going to make the whole rainbow of runs at some point. But uh, Which one yeah. you like the most? Uh, pink pink runs or white runs so far are my favorite. But yeah, they've, they've all actually been pretty good as much as I dislike their marketing. But yeah, with that said, next up, Dr. MJ. Hey, thanks, Jack. I finally put my mic on mute and then it was hard to get it off. This was a fun show. I always like doing our little Q&A shows. I love having people on this show. Dog Doctor, that was fun to, to come back. I it, it seems like recently, but I guess it's been a while since we did that topping. I remember that pretty clearly. Um, and uh, Smart Poker, it's always fun, buddy, to hang out with you. I want to encourage everybody to go check out Smart Poker's Sundays and Confused show. It's earlier um, in the day. God, I can't remember what time it is on the West and the East Coast. But um, before our show, earlier in the day, it's a fun show. I go on there sometimes and they always have sort of good conversations about stuff. So check that out. Um, and we're doing the Grower Love giveaway that I talked about at the beginning. This is one of our bigger prizes. You saw Smot won that Maxis Sunlight in one of our Grower Love giveaways. Um, we're doing a chilled Ultra X3 
it's like a $1,500 light. On March 20th, it's only one week from now, the entry form is on the deals and discounts page. It's just put in your email address so we can get in touch with you if you win. Um, and there's bonus actions like following Jack Greenstock or following Brandon Rust or following Spartan Ground this week are all sort of bonus actions on you get more entries for doing that. So we try to spread the grower love and somebody's going to win a really cool light next week. Um, that's it for me, guys. Grower love. I'm Dr. MJ Coco. Thank you so much for joining us. And next up, Matthew Gates. Yeah, everyone, I really do. Just like other people have said, I do enjoy having other guests on. And it is cool to see a little bit of closure with uh, Dog Doctor and other people seeing your progress through social media. Uh, people can check out the videos where you've been on in the past, although I don't know off the top of my head. And kind of see that development is very cool. And I'm glad to be part of that process. You can find information that I've made about um, uh, pests and plant health and things like that. On my YouTube channel, Zenthanol. Also on Instagram at SyncAngel, as well as on Twitter at SyncAngel. And I'm also a author or staff writer for Skunk Magazine. We have an article coming out soon, as well as a bunch of other cool stuff coming up. Um, I'm very excited to be working on but I can't always talk about those projects. So you can find my content there. Always a pleasure to have you. And uh, whether it's IPM or just general content related, I always appreciate your feedback and input on the show. And uh, just you showing up each week consistently over this last three years, it's been amazing, everybody. And uh, last and certainly not least, the American one. Jack, as always, thanks for the hosting abilities and uh, taking control. Uh, I guess I'll shout out the guests first, Smart Poker and Dog Doctor. Thanks for uh, sharing with us and showing us your grows. You. It's always fun to see plants. And uh, everyone on the panel, Noah the Grower, Dr. MJ, Brandon Russ, Matthew, it's always good hearing your guys' opinions and takes on things. And um, everyone in chat, thanks for showing up and coming with the good questions and uh, you know, keeping us all thinking and furthering our grows and making it better. And uh, yeah, that's about it, I guess. And yeah, you can find Amy at Daga, Dak Gardens, and just search Amy in the search, you'll find her. And uh, yeah, I'm the American one on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore 18s on the IG. Most of you guys know me already. And if you have any questions or anything, hit me up in the DMs. And yeah, peace out, everyone. Grow as love. Thank you so much for joining us, Tao. It was a great week. I always love the uh, chat q and A. I I feel like as much as I also love the panel, just talking back and forth like we did the last few weeks, I feel like I'm, you know, leaving the chat out in the cold sometimes when we don't answer the questions and uh, involve them more. So I feel like this was a w way to make it up to the chat. I know you all enjoy the content no matter what, but uh, it's, it's awesome to have you guys on uh, Spot Poker and Dog Doctor. It was great having both of you as guests, the regular panelists. Thank you always for the generous time that you donate and all the knowledge and information that you share. And uh, it's just a fun time for me every week. I look forward to it. I'm looking forward to next week. It's already over. I'm like, ah, it's over already. It's like, can't wait for next week. So with that said, stock, like you can see if I cover up my camera, there it is on Instagram, primarily uh, Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. If you want to email me, jackgreenstock 47 at gmail.com. And if you want a copy of my book, like Chilbert just got his, Although the mail is fucking crazy right now. And it took a month to get to the UK. <laughs> like I sent it with tracking and it took a long time. 50strains.com. If you want a copy of the book, uh, that's international and in the US. I appreciate everybody's already gotten a copy. And uh, if you want one, that is the best way to get it. So with no further ado, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next week. Jack Greenstock, signing out.
Your love, everyone. Your love. Thank you.